This conversation was recorded a couple of years ago in Bristol with my dear, dear friend Jess. Since then, lots of things have happened in both our lives, ups and downs. And I do hope to get Jess back on the show at some point because she recently went away on another transition, another moment of change in her life and went to India for four months to do music therapy there. She's now back again in Bristol being a social worker, but I'd like to talk to her about her experiences in India sometime soon. We didn't record for a continuous hour. There were quite a few breaks which have mostly been edited out because Jess likes to interrupt things, which you may get a sense of, but I edited out most of that to give it a better flow. It's late at night. St Paul's Carnival is going on in the background. It had been a long day for both of us and we're drinking gin. Hope you enjoy it. I just listen because they're the expert and that's how I work. It's kind of just, if your head's a bit sort of skew whiff, it just, and you go on a run, it kind of just makes everything fit again. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better. Better acquainted with you. Today we are getting better acquainted with Jess. Hello, Jess. Hi. (laughs) The first question that I ask everybody is, how did you meet me? I'm pretty sure it was in my room in Hall's residence at uni. Yeah. We were all sitting around in a circle. That's right, we were. And I met you through a girl who lived on my corridor. She was studying this studies with you. And she introduced me to you. Yeah. So I met you. That's right. Yeah. At university. At university. And we went on to live together in the second year. We did. In a house with nine other people. Maybe eight. It was a great time. And... We've been friends since then, really, haven't we? We have. A long time now. Ten years. Ten years, yeah. That's right. Ten years. It's a long time. The other question that I ask people is, what do you do now? What do I do now? Yeah. As in, what do I do generally on a day-to-day basis in life? What's my job? Interpret, What's my... interpret the question as you, as you wish. Yeah. Because I always think it's a bit... When people say, what do you do? People just assume it's, what do you do as a job? Yeah. And I say that to to find out what job they do, but I'm not quite sure that that's... You don't think that you are what you do? No. No. So I suppose I want to answer, you know, it's a combination of lots of things that equate to what I do. So go on, what do you mean? <laughs> what do I do? I... like to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> And I like to be surrounded by people that I love. In fact, that's the main thing that I like to do. I like to feel satisfied. (laughs) And satisfied and I suppose I do certain things to make myself feel satisfied. Like run. I I don't know if the word satisfied or just... 
content, maybe. So I suppose part of that is that I have to earn money and I am a social worker to earn money. Yep. But it's not just to earn money, is it? It it suits my life and suits my values. Okay, right. Well, we can go from there in a few directions. I think let's go into just quickly. You're a social worker now. Yep. Are you a career social worker or do you have something else that you want to do? I haven't made up my mind about that. I can imagine myself being a manager. A manager of is, social work. Is that what you mean by career, as in just moving up the scale? Well, I believe before you became a social worker, you were doing a course in music therapy. No, I wasn't, wasn't doing a course. You weren't? No, the plan was, the ultimate goal was to do music therapy. Yeah, that's right. And I went to an open evening about music therapy and they weren't keen on having just graduated people. Right, so you decide. I suppose, what do you call them? <laughs> Freshly graduated people. And so they, they wanted people with more experience. And I think now, actually, it's prerequisite that you have to have five years' experience working with difficult people, children, whatever. So even though I didn't say that at the time, I kind of took that. that so I needed to go and do that. So I thought that doing a course in social work was a good bridge into that. And also that music, you can't ever sort of... I don't know, it's a struggle, I think, to work full-time as a music therapist, so I always thought it would be good to do a bit of both. Okay. And my dad was a social worker, so it, was, it always interested me. And what was the question? That, well, that was, that, you've, you've answered it. Right. I mean, do you want to be a social worker for the rest of your life? I highly doubt it. You doubt that you, that you want to? I don't want to just be a standard social worker forever, no. There's a number of different paths that I could take. I could specialise in a certain area and become like an expert in that area like child mental health or direct work with children or like play therapy or something like that or I could choose to stay within that street social work and move up right. be a manager be a service manager blah, blah, blah. I am not satisfied with just being a standard social worker no so you want to go up I don't know if I want to go up or if you I want to stay sideways. sideways and there's still the possibility of doing music therapy yeah I would love, actually, there's an organisation called Changing Tunes, which is music therapy type stuff, but I don't think you have to have done a music therapy degree. Working with offenders, rehabilitation. So you'd like to do that? They work in prisons. I'd love to do that. What attracts you to that? I just think it sounds like a really good organisation, and I went to see a concert where ex-offenders were performing, and it's a similar sort of music therapy, really, isn't it? It's just like they've, they've found this meaning in something that that I guess they'd searched a long time to find meaning in so the meaning, other things. So the music, in theory, would give those offenders some meaning mm. that they haven't got already. Okay. I mean, Perhaps that's it a, could replace drugs or... Well, yeah, I, I, I think that will work for some people. Mm. Uh, some people will find meaning in that, I guess. I mean, I guess it's like religion, isn't it, or, or, or something like that. If you find something else, or t- having a child... That's another purpose, isn't it? So I can see how music could be that. And I guess also it gives them something... Purpose. Yeah, something to... to, A a potential thing they can do. Something to focus on and love, yeah. Yeah. But I also really like working with children who have difficulties, like ADHD or autism or special educational needs or something like that, and music therapy... Like traditional music therapy, that's a real interest as well. And I think I, I don't know. I I have I I seem to relate to those. Seem to be able to relate to those children quite well. I don't know why, but 
I mean, that's interesting because you had a very happy upbringing, didn't you? Generally speaking, and a kind of middle not 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 in a negative way, but you, you had a middle class upbringing. But you're attracted to doing work with people who have had less advantage than you. What, why do you think that is? I suppose I've always want I've always been interested in people's stories and the sort of the grittiness and reality of real life. And I know that I didn't ever particularly experience that. So. For me, that's a real interest. Like, I've always been drawn to sort of films about real life and music sort of commenting on real life. Like, it's like Mike Lee and... It's just an interest, I suppose. That's an interesting answer. Do you find people accept you quite well? or <laughs> I mean, I don't want you to go into the details of any of your cases or anything, but do you find that people accept you quite well clearly because you have a posh voice mm. and do you think do you find that you have any resistance from people who aren't don't have posh voices and need your help but don't necessarily trust someone with a voice like yours uh i don't i it's hard to separate the sort of my posh voice and my presence or whatever from the role as a social worker because generally social workers aren't liked and are perceived to be that's fair, yeah. Yeah, it's very difficult to separate that, really. So, and yeah, that's fair. Can so I can't say whether that would be the case or not. I don't think I find it any more difficult than, say, people who wouldn't have a posh voice. Yeah, okay. I don't think because they they still they'd come still with the label a of a social worker. worker. I suppose there's that there is that view, and that goes back to what you were saying about how maybe they think that oh how can you know what it's like because what have you what do you know you've had such a privileged background how can you talk to us about that stuff when you haven't experienced that yeah. I suppose there is that you do get that sometimes I think and how, how how can you talk to them about it when you haven't experienced it I just listen because they're the expert and that's how I work that's that is a brilliant answer. I, I, I like the I, I like the idea of social work. I don't particularly. I think I'm quite like a. That. You know, I, I think sometimes they want social workers to sort of come in guns a blazing and tell everybody what to do. I'm not that sort of social worker. I take time to sort of listen and get on side with the family. Yeah. And so I know them very well, and then hope that then, once I start to know them, then and that I know the full story and that they will then trust me and my judgement. I think that anyone can understand where somebody else comes from as long as they listen mm. and they have empathy. We're all human beings. Uh, I, I don't understand why more people from privileged backgrounds can't empathise and can't see things. So I think that's, I think that's a fair, fair answer. And I think, I guess, you say I come from a privileged background, but I guess my dad was a social worker. Yeah, well, my mum so, was a social worker, so I, 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 I'm not really claiming that you have a more privileged background yeah, than mine. Yeah, no, but I, I'm, I, I totally agree that I did. I had no sort of unfortunateness at all. Mm, but but that, I think but my dad, as a social worker, passed on certain skills to me. Yeah, but I mean, unfortunateness and class are different things. So, I mean, I might have had a, a unfortunateness in my, in my family background, but I still had a different kind of class view. Although I guess I probably have more working class friends at the school. Because mm. uh, I, 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 I think that's probably shaped my life quite a lot uh, in those kind of ways. But I think that, I mean, I, I don't think that you are 
I mean, I, you know, you're one of my favourite people. I feel a bit weird saying that as an interview. <laughs> but really, I, also, it's, isn't it a lot about, you know, I may have had a privileged background, but I'm not... You know, when people have a privileged background and they're just totally unconnected to reality, they're this high-up view of what, what they're like. And Whereas I think my parents always tried to deeply root me in the sort of real world you know hearing my dad's stories of stuff that he brought home from work and you were you were brought up to understand that there was there were other people who weren't as privileged mm. I think that's important yeah I mean absolutely mm. I'd like to I mean I think that's one of the things I was brought up thinking it's very key like yeah. it's I, I'm seriously so grateful like you don't you want to have this false view of what the world's going to be like it's all going to be amazingly perfect and you're going to be happy all the time because in reality it's all ups and downs and and life's a roller coaster and all that and I'm just so I think it's one of the things I'm most grateful to my parents for giving me really no it's a good thing to get it's a good thing to get definitely not everything you are as you very eloquently put at the, at the start of, the, of this episode um is a social worker you are not just your job just the way that I don't like to say what I do for a living although I like it more now when it's a cool thing like I work with children and it's a library thing I like that more mm. but uh, I, I'm a writer and I don't like to have to not be able to say I'm a writer although if you tell someone at a party that you're a writer the first thing they ask is have you had anything published so I don't like to tell them that cause it yeah. cares. but there's more to you and one of those things, I guess, is... OK, actually, I'm going to go right. I'm going to go back in time, right? At university, when we first knew each other, do you think you were happy then? Like, <laughs> yeah, you don't think I was. I don't think so, <laughs> I think... I don't know about that word. Happy's really. not right. But, yeah. When you were content. at university, did you feel like you knew your... You, like, I tell you what, when you were at university, did you feel like you were who you are? Mm. I think I was still on my search to find out yeah. who yeah, I was and definitely. where I was and where I belonged and my place. And you've well. been searching. You, I think you've, you've. Do you think you found that now? Yeah, most I, definitely. I think you definitely have, and uh, you're really together these days, and it's brilliant to see, to have seen that change. We've always, I've always liked you loads, but I, I like the fact that you found yourself, as it mm. were. But you've searched for a while didn't you because you went on a year out before university before uni yeah but I was only really away for sort of four months were you yeah I had to retake A-levels oh right but I always thought you went grim like didn't you go to Nepal I always I did go to Nepal I was always jealous of everyone who had a year out because I didn't go anywhere fancy I had four months out and um, it felt like a year and where did you go to Nepal Nepal was it a good experience it was incredible absolutely incredible what was incredible about it it's such cliche my teenage years were quite different I suppose I didn't particularly want to grow up I didn't particularly want to go out night clubbing I didn't want to wear makeup I just wanted to stay a kid and I felt really stuck at school because I kind of looked at the cool people and kind of thought I should be like that or I want to be like that but I don't particularly so I was really late developer and I just crammed all my developing into four months in Nepal. Wow. <laughs> and you did it all. And when I met you... I did do it all. And when I met you at uni, like, that was one of the, the kind of 
things that were really cool about you because you're a cool person. I said it earlier on, and I'll say it again. And it's in, in, it's intimidating. I'm to cringing. Me. But you, but you know, you're cool in an alternative way, which is which is nice. But one of the things I was always like, wow, Jess is so cool. She went to Nepal and she had this kind of you had a like a, a stuff from Nepal in your bedroom like that that pillow thing. What was that? The Thai pillow. Thai is... pillow to sit on. Yeah. Oh no, but that was from. That was from Thailand. That was confusing. When did you go to Thailand? After the first year of uni. Oh, that's right, because then you went off again. I went off for a month. Was Thailand, Thailand as good? Um, Thailand was very different. Thailand was a holiday, really. Okay. It was lovely, but I went with um, my very good friend and we just had a holiday and it was lovely, it was amazing, but Nepal was more of a... I went on my own. You lived there? I lived there, I taught there. Do you think everyone should, if they can, can have a year out? I think it depends on where you are. I think some people don't need to. Because you, and you, uh, it was important to you to kind of. It does sound like a cliche, but it's also something that we all do have to do, which is find ourselves. I mean, because when you were at uni, you were looking to find yourself, I guess, weren't you? Because you were doing music. Yeah. What? Well, I mean, you used to play viola mm. when you were growing up. You played in a really great band at uni. You played some brilliant, yeah, brilliant. brilliant band. One of the best bands that never got big. What, 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 what happened with your relationship to the viola and music? Uh, I think I went to Nepal. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I lived quite a sort of... Is it insular or sheltered? Both of those sound um, correct, yeah. Teenage years of just trying to please my parents, I suppose and uh, did lots of practicing and it was brilliant. I did love playing viola and piano. Maybe it's that that I maybe it's just that actually the search to find my place and in the world and happiness took over maybe. I mean you love listening to music. Yeah. You don't play it very much. No, I really need to. I started um I don't, I've been saying that for 10 years. It's ne- it's never, you know, I never put the viola down intending on never picking it up again yeah but it has been a while and, but I did start up lessons for a couple of that's months that's right I do recently remember. yeah yeah I remember that and I plan I do plan on doing that again it's never too late it was a bit difficult because I was always like there's only ever two viola players at school and then I got to uni and there was five viola players in my year and some of them were better than me uh-huh. and so it was a bit it was a bit that was a bit annoying really and I didn't like my teacher. I think I realised how important my teacher was, because both my piano and viola teachers were amazing. At school? Yeah, but I, I didn't oh, learn in school, in yeah. private lessons, yeah. Well, it's like that when you go to uni, though. I was, like, I was the same in my school. I was the guy that wrote plays and put them on. I was like, I guess I felt a bit like a superstar within the school. Like, everyone was like, wow, he's the guy that does that. And then I like went to creative writing, and I'm in a group and everybody in the room mm. writes and that's just one class out of five or something and some of them are better than me yeah. but like, it wasn't really like that for me though because I might have been the only viola player but I didn't get on with my music teacher at all she didn't like me she didn't want me to do music A level I never felt like I was particularly good there were always much better people than me okay. and it was always a real struggle for me I don't have an innately musical ear so it was more I worked really hard to get where I was, but I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm innately musical. So then, when I got to uni, and there were people, there were other violists sort of better than me. Yeah. 
Viola Blair is better than me. You didn't practice as much as you'd have well, liked. Yeah. As much as you'd have liked at Viola. But something that you have become very disciplined about is running. Because mm. and when I first met you, I never would have expected you to get into running. Mm. Like you didn't do much running at university. I did go a couple of times. When? I can't even remember. I went with Richard. Oh, yes. Okay. A couple of times. Okay. But, yeah, but I never thought it would be a thing that you'd be disciplined about. Mm. But it is. When did that start? I've got quite a lot of discipline. Yeah. I, I, maybe it's that I can only have discipline in one thing at a time. Well, you, you have quite a short attention span, though. So that's why I'm so impressed when you're really, like, like when you've studied and become a social worker and, like, the fact that you've run for years now and, you you know, you're pretty buff, I reckon. If that's, is that a word? That's, a no, word? that's an awful word. What's I don't word? know what it means, but it's awful. What's the word that people use? When, like, I didn't want to say fit because it has weird connotations these days. I didn't want to say toned or some shit Athlete, like that. I don't know. Uh, you, you, you're, you are someone who exercises... Can we go back to talking about the pool now? <laughs> well, you could have talked for longer on the pool if you want. I know, well, I got stuck. But running, why? what attracts you to running? Um, I love it. What do you love about it? Um, it's kind of just, if your head's a bit sort of skew-whiff, it just, and you go on a run, it kind of just makes everything fit again and so there's the there's those runs Dan says you never regret a run which is the most amazing thing anyone's ever said to me because so often you come back from work and you're like oh, I can't be bothered but actually you know that if you go you'd never regret it but he doesn't all does he I know <laughs> yeah but it's a very good saying he yeah. knows that he knows that for me I suppose you never regret a run yeah I don't think there's ever been a time where I sort of turned around and thought oh I can't be arsed because I've always, once you're out, that's the hardest bit. So there's, there's a number of different disciplines in running, isn't there? There's getting yourself out the door, which is the hardest one, probably. There's getting yourself up the first hill, which, once you're up the first hill, you're kind of on the home home stretch. Yeah, it could be. Really? So there's that feeling of satisfaction that you've got yourself out the door and you're running. And you just, once you're running, you're unlikely going to stop. And then I always have a hill at the beginning of my run, so getting up the first hill. And then then you're on your run and you just uh, it's a specific sense of freedom it doesn't matter you don't really ever see anyone on your run or somebody might catch a fleeting glance but you're alone with yourself you're alone with yourself you're I, this is the time that I listen to music so you're alone you're cut off from the world yeah. you've just got the music in your head and your brain Sounds good. So it's, it's amazing. Hard work, though. It's not hard work, though. That's the thing. That's the thing, is it's not hard work if you're a runner. It's really not. The hard work is getting yourself out the door and po- possibly getting up a hill. But once you're on it, you forget you're, on a ru- you forget you're running. Yeah, but you have to have enough discipline to get to the stage where you're a runner. Yeah, but that doesn't take that Because I've had a moment... I've done running, and I've had moments of transcendent kind of... Yeah, like you're talking about, being completely in the moment, just feeling your body, making the exercise, and just suddenly you know that your body works and suddenly you know how your body's moving and it's really great and it's really intense and it's great but it, yeah it's hard to well there's that beginning stage isn't there which I always really enjoyed of 
doing a little bit at a time and you can hit uh, like really notice yourself progressing so you might your first run you might run five minutes walk five minutes run five minutes and the next one you might run for ten minutes walk for is it okay so Let's you're allowed to, you're allowed to walk for five minutes of course you are when you're building up your I thought like you had to run for the amount of time you're supposed to run so like I ran There's around no the rules. block and I was so now <laughs> I now I run I run I don't unless I'm really tired I stop and walk but I run for sort of 50 minutes but 50? yeah fuck but there wasn't that wasn't always the case and I've built that up like to begin with I probably only ran for 20 minutes and you, you know you walk and run and you change chop and change so you have to build up that and probably in the first month really and running is something that you you, you love running it's good like you, would you give it up I mean do you no Never. Won't there be a time that you have to give it up? No. Well, I'm at the moment. I'm, I've varied my exercise because I hurt my back recently, and I need to vary my exercise to st- tone up other bits of my body so that I am able to carry on running. Because running's really high impact, and you can really hurt yourself, especially because I've run for six years or whatever. After running for that long and not doing any other exercise, there's part of your body that you need to tone up so that it can take the impact of running. So at the moment I'm cutting down my running and doing swimming and yoga and stuff as well. But the reason for that is so that I can carry on running. So you're doing all the rest to enable you to continue your running. And there's that, there's, I don't, just when you get back from your run and you're stretching and you're lying on the floor, that's the, and it's just that, I did it. How brilliant is that? And then it just totally changes your evening. It really totally changes your evening. You appreciate you've done your day at work you've done your run and you just appreciate your freedom of. and do you run between work and your evening I run as soon as I get back from work before my evening so in which case it's a bit like a cleansing ritual between, yeah. between like it totally, it totally is because uh, when you, if you have a bad day at work you need to run so it's that there's that an hour of maybe if you went home after a bad day at work or a good day at work or whatever you wouldn't be able to think, forget about work for the whole evening if you run for an hour there's that hour of yeah, cleansing wow well that's an amazing thing to have in your life really just in case he, he picks up Dan has walked into the room you're an indecisive person do you think that's fair? <laughs> I uh, yes <laughs> uh, uh, no well, uh, maybe <laughs> um, if something's if, if something's right then I'm not indecisive. But it has to be right. So if we're going out for a night, yeah, you worry about when we should go out, what time we should go out, where we should go out. You change your mind. You, you say a different thing. That's uh, uh, Dan. Can you move my bag? That's uh, Dan spilling <laughs> spilling my my beer. We might have to pause while well, I uh, while you worry about your bag. Okay. <laughs> your bag's fine, Justin. Mop it, my bag. See now that's a good. This is a good example. You're very concerned about your bag now because you want your bag to be right. <laughs> and you want the night to be right. I love my bag. Yeah. You really want things to be right, though. Yeah. I mean... Have you got it on? Is it well, on? Yes, it's on. Oh, right. I think it's on. Now you're making me worried. Yes, it's... Yes. Don't, can you not... Um, can you not put water on my bag? Okay. Don't put water on my bag. <laughs> Never. Just pass it here. Okay, so... Bag calamity solved. Do you want to close the window? Because it's quite noisy. 
Yeah, Dan, can you close the window on the way out? Do you want this card again? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> can you God. pass me another card again? Thanks. Have fun! Uh, okay. So, see you later, Dan. So, you are quite an indecisive person. Yeah. And you... Oh, we forgot to shut the window. Hang on a minute. And you are one of my few... There's only one other person who does this to me, and that is my little sister. If I'm talking to you, and you're not interested in what I'm saying... I don't do this anymore. You you do do it still a little bit, but you used to definitely say, boring, change it, (laughs) say something else, talk about something else. I think that's cool. Yeah, I think it's well cool. (laughs) I think it's brilliant. bring it back. You definitely should. Bring it back. Because more people should say that to me. Yeah. I mean, I just talk and talk and talk if someone doesn't stop me, but it's not that I want to be inconsiderate. I just don't know that I'm doing it. So I'm I'm really pleased when people help me out on it. I always thought that was cool. You know, you always know what you want, but you change what you want all the time. Why do you think that is? I mean, why are you so indecisive? Because you want the best... I like things to be perfect. But is perfection achievable? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. How, how, do you achieve it every time you try for it? Mostly, yeah. <laughs> do you really... Like, when you worry so much, you spend so much time worrying about getting the night perfect. Yeah. Doesn't, it pays off. It pays off. Definitely. Most of the time? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I guess that's fair. I always enjoy it when you're and also about isn't things. it's quite fun. It's probably part part of it being perfect is all that worry and stress, and it's the re- relief of it it not having. So it's the journey, I guess. So, yeah, you've been on a journey, and then you hit the end. It's a bit like running. Yeah. Once yeah, yeah, you... yeah. There's that. That's what I mean by the. I I I sort of work towards this sort of final settledness or it's that contentness it pays off yeah because my friends sometimes say I might get myself in a real st- stress about something or work myself up about something and yeah. they think the reason I do that is because of my sense of relief and that's what you go for in life mm. and that's what you sort of because I want to know that I've worked my hardest to achieve the best but but and you, that's your attitude. I'm not. I won't settle. But you're not applying that to business. You're applying that to personal life and happiness. Yeah. Like your goal is happiness. You're like, I will not stop till we're happy. <laughs> yeah. Until it's the most perfect night that could possibly happen. Yeah. It's great. I mean, it's a good quality to have. Well, it's that feeling that coming away and thinking I put my all into that, and everyone had an amazing time, or I put my all into that and. It was brilliant. It's always fun hanging out with you. Don't like, you? like my, like, I don't want like to say because you weren't there, but my the birthday party. weekend. Yeah, that's where I was moving this to actually. Was phenomenal, and I'm, you know, I feel like it's the reason it was because we thought about so many things and stressed about so many things that it all came together in the end. That's what I suppose that's it, isn't it? You know, if you spend enough time thinking things through, and making decisions about things it will all come together in the end um, and what did you do for your birthday your 30th birthday um, <laughs> you got we, there first 
We no, I'm not there yet. I was uh, well, you're still going to get there. For yeah. this, though, aren't you? I had a joint birthday party with my oldest friend in Cornwall, a pirate slash nautical party weekend or something. Yeah, pirate weekend. I don't know, man. I, I, I have a thing about dressing up parties. Yeah, but that was only party. one little bit of it. Although my costume did take up quite a lot of the weekend because Friday night we all sat around drinking wine and finishing off our costumes. It was quite a big part of it, and there was quite a build-up. Well, I spent quite a long time making my costume. It does sound like it would have been a lot of fun. The costume thing would have stressed me out. I always get stressed out with that. It did stress me out, but, but then, because you got so stressed about it, then that <laughs> makes it even more better. If you had just, like, been totally chilled and knocked something up in an hour or whatever, then it wouldn't have been quite such an achievement. And do you think yeah. you've always been like that? Yeah. Do you think you were like that as a kid? Yeah. I've always, like, put my all into... If I'm going to make someone a present or something, just put my all into it and got really... Sh- not, it's not a stress, it's just sort of worrying that it's not going to be perfect. But you so. give really thoughtful presents. I'd like to think so. I find it really hard to be like that, because I, I can do it for kids, but I'm really bad at getting presents for adults. I like... Because I, I just feel, find it's really pressurised. I, I want to see a nice present when it's not someone's birthday and give it to them rather than have to do it ah there's a deadline yeah, I need a deadline uh, I need a date and I need a deadline I know but there's enough deadlines in life without having extra ones I guess mm. when you went to Nepal you said earlier on that everything you did everything mm. so you were a child before you think because you you like child childlike things and then you went to Nepal and you changed and you did everything. What does that mean? I think I I danced for the first time properly. You danced for the first time. What was that like? Brilliant. I think it was brilliant because I no one I, I didn't know anyone, so I think there was you know a lot of secondary schoolers worrying about what other people would think. Yeah. I just didn't know anyone, so I was just able to not care and be whoever I wanted to be. I think I was probably a little bit of a tart in the pool as well. What do you mean by a little bit? Of <laughs> well, a I had tart? quite a few boyfriends in the space of four months. Well, because Nepalese gentlemen quite like the Western women, and I probably took advantage of that, really. Well, they were taking advantage of yeah, the fact yeah, that you yeah. wanted but to take advantage of it. Yeah. But, you know, boys, and that boys was, cycling after me on rickshaws. And, was that uh, your first experience of male attention? No, I think I had, like... The secondary school had boyfriend for a couple of weeks and fancy boys and stuff, but I th- I feel like in Nepal that was the most adult kind of experience of boy girl interactions. Before it was all just kind of teenage hormonal craziness. Although there was quite a lot of that in Nepal as well. But well, yeah, I mean you were still a teenager when you were what eighteen, nineteen. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was, I just did crazy things I probably wouldn't do now, which was brilliant. And you know, did you feel like that was part of finding yourself? Yeah, massively. And I found friends that I'm still in touch with now. And because they'd only just met me, they didn't know any of the previous stuff, so they saw me in a different way. Yeah, and it was a four months where you 
So you said you did everything for the first time. So I guess did you you kissed someone from the first for the first. No, time? No, no, no. But you had I'd sex. I've really done the first that. Time. Yeah. In a different Fell country. in love for the first time, I'd say. Okay. In a different country. In a different country. We smoked didn't... my first cigarette. Yeah. Had my first dance. And I guess you had to look after yourself. Yeah. Taught English. So that was quite massive. Um, and was your first boyfriend or serious boyfriend a Nepalese guy? Uh, yeah, I think so. It wasn't very long, but I think it was, yeah. He was my first love, I'd say. Went through, you know, I experienced all the sort of, the whole gamut of emotions attached to relationships within that four months. Ah. Uh-huh. You know, because sometimes I wasn't treated very nicely, or I was pro- incredibly naive, so I probably got myself in, or did get myself into some pretty ghastly situations, but... I survived and well, it changed your life mm. you found yourself but then you found yourself again much later yeah more in depth and I guess that kind of uh, that time away in in the pool was a little bit like you're running it was a cleansing ritual between one stage and another yeah. stage like going between work and I really and like those stages of kind of adapting I really like sometimes they can be quite hard but I really notice when you're going through them yeah, that your kind of your your situation's changed or something's changed and you have to change. Then there's that period of sort of adapting to new things, and I really like that. Well, no, I mean I know what you mean. And I've I, had a lot of them, I think, a I, lot of them. I think everybody does. Mm. I find them hard sometimes. Yeah, it's like oh, on my mind. Like I think I'm in one of those situations at the moment. I mean, I was saying to you off mic that this project is kind of one of those things for me. It's a finding out who the hell I am and working out what to do with that and how I can move into a new... I guess it's like shedding a skin. It is, It's like a snake shedding a skin. It's really painful to get that skin off, but afterwards it kind of Mm -hmm. feels nice, yeah. I hope I I achieve that bit. And you've... uh, Change is good. Yeah, and so you've you've loved a few people, but you currently love Dan. How Even long though he just spilled beer on my bag. He did spill. But I think I'll get over it. He spilled beer on. Oh, I hope I get over it. <laughs> and it was a a long. How long ago did you meet Dan? Now six and a half years. So it's, and it's been a good six and a half years. Yeah, it's been amazing. I, I mean, I think I, 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 as you know, I like Dan very much. And I very, very much approve. Um, I think he's played a huge role in my sort of being settled and finding out who I am and happiness and stuff. It's funny when you meet somebody that works for you, mm-hmm. you feel like you can be yourself mm. and then that just helps you in every other area of your life. Absolutely. Yeah, and I would say the last six and a half years have been the best years of my life. What? Well, I mean, I've, from the outside observational point of view, I've, I've thought that you were having the best years mm. of your life. You certainly have seemed to be much happier. Than and I think my birthday weekend, even though you weren't there and it would have been amazing yeah, that yeah. you were I there, was the, the sort of just... just the perfectness. It just summed up the last six and a half years just perfectly with 
like my brothers were there who I'm incredibly close to and my friends from school my friends from my social work course I was in the countryside I was by the sea I was my perfect things and fancy dress which I love <laughs> you I love that and kind of this massive working towards a massive event which was amazing and it, it just felt so the perfect thing to do as approaching 30 to celebrate the past sort of not 30 years but kind of 6 years really and I cried all the way home you cried all the way home <laughs> no almost because I got in the car and I was just like I can't was it tears it of was joy just, yeah it was it was just well, it was sadness that it was over because nothing will quite ever be the same as that. As it never is, I'm rubbish with endings. But, yeah, but, um, then but there'll are. be different things. There's been other things that have been yeah, never of course the there same will again. Be. Like, that's the thing. Every time you have one of those moments, you're like, that was amazing. Nothing will ever be as good as that again. Something, Something is, will, of course it will. And I get But paid. it's not the same thing, is it? It's no, never the same. Exactly. So it's that's it's the, the end of an of era, isn't thing. it? Yeah. yeah. And I, I struggle with sort of end of eras, but I. In in a good way, like I don't struggle. I just get very sad. That's the end. But I also know that there'll be something different. But the worst. It was just I I I I was I I cried because it was so perfect. I couldn't have afforded it in any way, and so many amazing moments. Really. Nah, start banging on. Start banging on. It's good. I like it. It's also very new, isn't it? So I only got back on Monday. No, it's good. I like it being new. I mean, I think, as I was saying to you earlier on, I mean, this one of the interesting things about doing this project is that I'm getting better acquainted with my my friends. My friends are all generally approaching 30, Mm. so we're all re-evaluating our lives. And I I don't want it to just be about 30-year-olds. I'm trying to get a more broad range of people on the show, but... I think it is that is an interesting strand that is forming in the kind of tapestry that I that this show is. It's really interesting to hear people at a point where they've made a decision or have come to some conclusions about themselves. Mm. I think that's been the same probably in the last year. Like you know, coming back from weekends away with you and Jen, or coming back from skiing with all my friends, and just thinking, God, isn't life brilliant? And aren't I so lucky and that's so it's it's just that overwhelming feeling of contentness and happiness and it's amazing and I I, I feel sad but not everyone can have that no it is sad uh, and I'm glad that you've got it at the moment you haven't always had it so I mean I, I've been uh, in a, an interesting position of knowing you when you didn't have it and knowing you mm. you had it I mean do you think I'm happier now than I was at university? Yeah, definitely. Oh, good. I'll have to take that on board more often. I think I am, probably. <laughs> I think you're definitely more content with yourself, like you say about me. Yeah, I know who I am more. Yeah. That's definitely true. Uh, I think I'm happier. I probably am happier. It's just I find it very hard to be content. Mm. Maybe like, you need to run. Maybe I do. Yeah, I mean, maybe... And fancy dress. <laughs> I don't know about fancy dress. Dress up as a pirate more for it. It's brilliant. It does wonders for the soul. See, but I didn't dress up as a pirate. I dressed up as a pearl. A pearl. A pearl. Yeah, as a pearl. How do you dress up as a pearl? Uh, I had a, a paper mache shell that opened on my back She's with doing a pearl like a inside. Clam shell. Clam shell on my back with paper mache. Gesture with her hands. Um, and it had fairy light fish in and a pearl, and 
all the rest of me was covered in glitter. Oh, very, very. Um, that sounds it does sound spectacular, Jess. <laughs> it does. It sounds very spectacular. It was, but my brother stole the show with his octopus outfit. Well, but there we go. I, I, yeah, yeah I saw that. On it was good. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm sorry to have not been there because I mean, the thing about you, Jess, is it's funny. I always think, you know. I think you, you. I always feel like you're a little bit like a sister to me. It's weird. That's I know that's nice. weird to say, but it would have been nice, nice to have been a, a younger sister or an older sister. A bossy sister. Older or younger? Um, well, you boss me in the same way that my younger sister does, but you also are very kind of. Well, then my younger sister gives me a lot of wisdom, so I guess you can be a younger sister. Okay, cool. Fine. Yeah, I guess you are a younger sister, though. Yeah, because I'm older. Because I'm quite yeah, but I'm quite often in a situation where I'm kind of laughing affectionately at things that you're doing, and that's the kind of oh, that's a younger younger sister, sister thing, thing yeah. isn't it? But yeah, who would have known I'm the oldest? What out of me and you? No, in my family, you are. Some people are surprised, but about you that. are. I think you are a big sister, though. I mean, uh, you have that looking after people like that caring for everyone in the group and trying to make sure everybody is happy thing going on and that's a, an older child thing I think that protectiveness mm. like middle children tend to try and negotiate things mm. when they're trying to make people happy they try and negotiate things that's what I try and do I try and make everyone happy by listening to everyone and get them to compromise and shit like that that doesn't work but being bossy and like, making sure that people have a good time despite what they might think you're very good at going no you have to do this and it's good it's always worth listening to your insane decisions oh. on these things <laughs> it's might, it might be the they're most, well thought through it might actually I mean it, it might be the most soppy episode but I don't think <laughs> I'm not quite sure why, why, why it's got so soppy but I, I like <laughs> do you think I, it's because we've drunk too much gin <laughs> <laughs> That is true. We, we we've drunk some gin and we've been at uh, St Paul's. I've been at St Paul's Carnival all day, so I'm yeah. suffering the effects of that. <laughs> um, but I think it's nice, and I think there should be nice. This is a nice example of a, a, an acquaintanceship, a friendship, how that works. You know, I mean, I, I'm, I always worry that it's sort of sickening hearing people talk about being happy, but I don't think it is. I think what's what's not nice when someone is privileged is when they don't appreciate it and that doesn't just mean I'm not talking about financial privilege mm. like happiness privilege like because you don't have to earn like, like at the moment I have a much happier life than I used to and that's not to do with money that's mm. to do with time and managing my life in the right way um, and as long as I appreciate that then that's good but I, I, I mean I'm always susceptible to, to, to being dissatisfied with with not with the situation, but with who I am. You know, I spend a lot of time being dissatisfied with who I am. Do you Do you think that you're satisfied with who you are now? I um, think I am now. I think for a long time I wasn't. You definitely weren't when we first met. And I always make you, I always get ups, like, not upset, but annoyed. Not annoyed with you, but I get annoyed that you feel insecure because I always think, ah, oh, but she's got nothing to feel insecure about. She's, you know, cool and nice. And but then everyone always says that about other people, don't they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If only you could see yourself through somebody else's eyes. Really. Everybody that I know who is insecure, I think, shouldn't be insecure. Mm. But it doesn't make me secure. Yeah. I'm still insecure, and I think I'm right to be. Mm. And people can tell me not to. But yeah, but it's good to have a bit of it. Like it's good to have that. 
anyway as well you don't if you were really secure you'd be a confident cocky fuck <laughs> and nobody likes that yeah that's true so you need some sort I can of be doubt a, I can be a cocky fuck though but just I'm an insecure one so that's not a great combination but uh <laughs> anyway I guess that's that's fair it's been an absolute pleasure getting better acquainted with you um <laughs> god I'm clearly drunk uh anyway, I could, yeah but I think it's still been good. And the last question that I ask people is, do you have anything that you want to plug? Plug? Yeah. What, like? Well, people have interpreted this question okay. in lots of interesting ways. Okay. Um, anything I want to plug? I want to plug my family. <laughs> <laughs> and my, my legendary brothers, because they're amazing. And they've done amazingly my brother's just qualified as a doctor he's just passed exams which is amazing and he works his arse off so he totally deserves everything that he gets and my little brother uh, <laughs> this is really cheesy um, <laughs> is um, is a little apprentice at Airbus which is brilliant he's, he's only a little one because he's your little brother yeah, he's yeah, a yeah, man yeah, now yeah, yeah. and I want to big up my parents for everything that they've given me all my friends for being amazing and for uh, this is like, it's like a an Oscar speech. It's an Oscar speech. You maybe have to cut this out then. No, I shouldn't. It's yeah. good. And Dan, listen to his music. He's amazing. And um, Dave, what? Listen to all his stuff as well. Listen to my stuff. Okay, for a minute I thought you were telling me to listen to Dan's stuff. I was like, I do. I own it. Yeah, cool. Well, on the note that you should listen to my stuff, you definitely should. I'm actually, I don't, I never plug my stuff. So since you've said you should listen to my stuff, I'll tell them where they can find it. That's, uh, you can find it on SoundCloud, the Dave on SoundCloud. I think it's the hyphen Dave. What, plug Dan's thing as well? I will do that. I've done this on his as well. I asked to do his for him on his. You should do Dan's. Okay. Where, where can they find Dan? Um, MySpace. Oh, he's going to have a website out soon for his film music stuff. They can find him at Man Music, Man Mountain Music, yeah. Hollow Body, and The Snails. Google the sn- them, probably. The, the Snails is on, are on uh, Facebook, so they can find them on Facebook. And he has got a new Bandcamp there as well. New website coming out for his film music stuff. So yeah. Watch this space. That, that might even be out by the time this airs, and if it is, I'll put a link to that too. Fantastic. Well, Jess. Brilliant stuff. Probably the selfiest one. <laughs> I feel like yeah. you know, we should end with a hug or something, but that would be ridiculous. Yeah, that would be ridiculous. So do you want to what say... What about end with gin? End with end some with gin. gin. End with some gin. And do you want to say goodbye to the audience? Bye. And <laughs> <laughs> um, then let me say... Um, yeah. Do you want to uh, say something else before I turn it off? Did you say or what? No, thanks for listening. Sorry if I've been boring or cheesy but thanks for listening catch you later thanks very much bye bye you can find getting better acquainted on twitter at gba podcast you can find it on facebook it's getting better acquainted have a search on facebook and like it or you can find it on the website www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk You can also subscribe 
by searching on iTunes and subscribing to us that way. And on the Stitcher Smart Radio app that you can download for your smartphone from stitcher.com or through the App Store. There are lots of ways to get better acquainted.